Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sask Egg Today with Doug Faulkner. Good afternoon and welcome to Saskag Today. Coming up on today's program, a new month means new grain contracts. We'll hear from PI Financial Commodity Futures Advisor Adam Piccolo about the May canola contract as well as the May Minneapolis wheat contract. The Western Canadian Wheat Growers Association held its annual general meeting virtually this week. Monday's AGM was organized as a Plan B after the original plan of a convention in Regina was cancelled due to the timing not working for most members. We'll hear from the executive director of the organization, Dave Quist, on that. Canada's industry minister was defending the government's actions on trying to force the country's big grocers to help stabilize food prices. We'll hear from Francois-Philippe Champagne and others in the Commons Ag Committee who met this week. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of Saskag Today. But first it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka, your Remax Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. A new month means new grain contracts. PI Financial Commodity Futures Advisor Adam Piccolo says the May canola contract this week was up $17 a metric ton, while the May Minneapolis wheat contract was relatively unchanged. This week, you know, there's quite a, f- a few different areas that I've been watching. The first has been more on the soy side of the market. The downward trend really remains in place on May soybeans after kind of a new contract low this week. And really the theme of cheaper supplies in South America for both beans and bean oil kind of gave the edge to the bear camp. Uh, we've seen really poor weekly export sales this week and will likely be continuing trend as you know Brazil really increases its share of exports into the spring. So uh, right now it doesn't seem like the soy markets are helping out the canola side very much. Uh, we might have just seen a bit of uh, short covering on uh, the May contract is kind of again the, July, the, the March was expiring and, and traders may be going into the May here. And then when looking at the wheat front, um, the May contract on Minneapolis is about unchanged on the week right now. Uh, today, we're actually giving up the majority of the gain on the week, uh, down approximately uh, 12 cents a bushel at uh, 6.47 right now. And a similar kind of story on on the wheat front here, just a little bit more of a bearish trend. There is no change to the forecast models uh, showing really beneficial precipitation for the southern plains in the U.S. kind of during the second week of March and really world wheat values remain weak. Uh, So that's not really a recipe for a rally here. And I'm seeing, again, clients asking about uh, maybe what they should be doing with some old crop, maybe even talking about new 
crop, and we're kind of developing a plan now here, given the prices that we've seen. He says the recent weather on the prairies hasn't had much of an impact on the markets. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's had an effect right now, but definitely talking with clients, there is, you know, more precipitation, more snow kind of in the last kind of week, which should be a positive uh, thing for this year. But I think kind of like last year, it's really quite spotty still, so it's kind of too early to say. Bacallo adds the U.S. dollar and oil prices haven't had much of an effect on commodity prices either. Yeah, the U.S. dollar has kind of been going a little bit, you know, it's sideways to lower. It has bumped up a little bit on the U.S. dollar side, which actually has caused the Canadian dollar recently to kind of go down here. Uh, today we're sitting at about uh, 73.5 cents right now. And uh, kind of when looking since the beginning of the year, that's actually down about uh, almost 3 cents, actually, because we did reach up to that 76 level back in kind of late December, beginning of January. So if anything, maybe the currency is kind of helping out on the grain side of things. But I've been really kind of looking at the currency as pretty being range bound between the kind of that 72 to 76 level. So there hasn't been much deviation between there. And then when kind of maybe talking about oil prices, like you mentioned, uh, we have seen oil kind of move up in recent uh, weeks, crude on the Mekong contract on the CME is trading at about uh, WTI, so 78.50 a barrel. And uh, if we do see it get above this uh, 79, maybe we could go back to that 85 kind of uh, high that we did see back last September. And as for his outlook for next week and beyond... One area that I could just kind of say is maybe some support and resistance I'm looking at. So a floor that I'm looking at for for May canola is sitting at about that 580 level. And so that'd be kind of some support that I'm looking for. And some resistance I'd like to see it get above is that 600 level. Uh, and if it gets above there, we could see 620. Um, and then maybe some more upside from there potentially. So kind of that's on the canola front. And then on the Minneapolis wheat side, I'm looking at kind of support around that 640 kind of of a bushel area and resistance kind of quite a bit higher, 670 to maybe that 690 kind of area. Adam Piccolo is a commodity futures advisor with PI Financial in Winnipeg. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. GX94 Ag Review. Oat millers in Canada are telling growers that a plant growth regulator isn't effective on oats, so farmers probably don't need to use it. Grain millers and Patterson Grain, which operate oat mills in Yorkton and Winnipeg respectively, say Chlormaquat has limited agronomic value and might disrupt demand for Canadian oats. Some farmers in western Canada use Chlormaquat, sold under the brand Manipulator, to reduce the height of oat plants and minimize the risk of lodging. On Wednesday, Green Miller sent an email to its oat suppliers, including farmers, asking them to think twice before using Manipulator this year. A spokesperson for Belgium Crop Protection Canada, which markets and distributes Manipulator, says its efficacy does vary depending on variety. Sales of new tractors and combines have slowed down from a year ago, almost certainly due to lower commodity prices 
and higher interest rates. Combine and four-wheel drive tractor sales ended 2023 up slightly, while sales of small tractors were down in both the U.S. and Canada. It's just one month, but the number of new two-wheel drive tractor sales recorded by the Association of Equipment Manufacturers in January was down 30.7% in Canada and 21.6% in the U.S., compared with the same period in 2023. Sales have remained more resilient in the more expensive combine and high-horsepower categories. Combine sales were down 9.5% north of the border, and 4.9% in the U.S. year-over-year in January. Sales of four-wheel drive machines were flat in Canada and up 1.4% in the U.S. Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky says that without new U.S. military aid, his country would be unable to defend a Black Sea shipping corridor that has allowed Kyiv to export millions of metric tons of grain to global markets. Ukraine launched the shipping corridor hugging its western Black Sea coast near Romania and Bulgaria in August, a month after Russia quit a year-long landmark deal brokered by the United Nations and Turkey that had allowed the safe Black Sea export of nearly 33 million metric tons of Ukraine grain. Ukraine is on track to export all grain from its 2023 harvest despite Russian attacks on Ukrainian ports and infrastructure. But he warns that if the U.S. Congress did not approve $60 billion in new security aid, then the future of the shipping corridor would be in doubt. Polish farmers protested on the border with Lithuania today against what they say are imports of Ukrainian grain through the Baltic country, something the Lithuanian officials deny. Small groups with banners and Polish flags joined customs officers checking trucks coming over the frontier from Lithuania, but made no attempt to block the crossing, which is also used by vehicles carrying goods to and from Latvia and Estonia. Farmers across Europe have been protesting for weeks against constraints placed on them by EU regulations meant to tackle climate change, as well as rising costs and what they say is unfair competition from outside the EU, particularly Ukraine. The EU has waived quotas and duties on imports from Ukraine after Russia's invasion in 2022, angering farmers from neighboring Poland, Hungary and Slovakia who say it undercuts their prices. All of Canada, aside from Yukon and parts of the Northwest Territories, are expected to see warmer than normal temperatures over the next three months. That's according to the latest long-range seasonal forecast from Environment and Climate Change Canada, released on Wednesday. The government agency calls for a 40 to 60 percent chance of above-normal temperatures from March through May across the three prairie provinces, with an even greater chance of warmer temperatures in Ontario, Quebec and the Atlantic provinces. Precipitation is expected to be normal across most of the country during the period, aside from northern regions of Ontario, Quebec and Labrador, where the forecast calls for above-normal precipitation and most of Nova Scotia, which could see levels come in below normal. And Saskag Today is always available on podcast. Listen to past shows whenever you want. Find them easily by going to gx94radio.com. 
Also, you can hear the podcast on your Amazon Echo. Just enable the GX94 skill and choose Saskag today. And yes, it is free. Please stay tuned. Saskag Today will continue right after this message. Welcome back to Saskag Today. I'm Doug Falconer. It's mainly cloudy and minus 9 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at 1 o'clock. The Western Canadian Wheat Growers Association held its annual general meeting virtually this week. Monday's AGM was organized as a Plan B after the original plan of a convention in Regina was cancelled due to the timing not working for most members. While that may have been stressful, the highlights were more positive as Executive Director of the Wheat Growers Dave Quist explains. We talked about uh, what we've done in the past year, some of the highlights. One of the main highlights that we engaged with is adding consumers to our uh, our discussion and, and our information sharing. All too often we've only talked about advocacy and policy, which is certainly important and we're continuing with that. But consumers, the people that buy the finished products are a part of it as well. And so we, we updated our members on, on a role we played with that over this past year as well. And that actually went, went really well. We had tens of thousands of hits on, on Facebook, LinkedIn, and, and Twitter as we discussed the impacts of food pricing and carbon taxing on um, on the consumer and uh, starting at the at the farm gate as well. We uh, gave all the usual things in terms of financial state, which we're pleased that we're in the black and in a, in a solid financial footing. We're thanks to our, our sponsors and our members for their continued support as well. Uh, we talked about some of the uh, policy that we're going to be working on in the coming year as well. Another highlight Quist mentioned was the inaugural Young Farmer Mentorship Program launched in August of last year. Carly Bodich from Saskatchewan and Bart Mayan from Alberta were chosen as the first mentees. And we're seeing them as hopefully, I don't know if the cat out of the bag for them, but uh, you know, potential directors down the road. They, uh, they bring uh, enthusiasm and ideas with them and we want to uh, take advantage of their ideas and insights and uh, we're looking to, to add additional uh, young farmers into, into our, our uh, directorship and, and our membership in the, uh, in the years ahead here as well. We're looking to, you know, we're over 50 years old. We're one of the, uh, the oldest agricultural uh, advocacy organizations in Canada, and we want to ensure that uh, that continues going forward as well. So we, we want to pay particular attention and work with our, our young advocates. Quist says the review of the Canadian Grain Act is a key item the wheat growers will be keeping track of this year. The Green Act is something that we're particularly interested in. We think that there's several things there that can be uh, uh, augmented and changed and, and brought into the uh, 21st century. So we're, we're waiting to see what the government response is at this time and what the process is going to be. The wheels of, of government policy never move fast, and, and so it's always a hurry-up-and-wait process where we submit something, we wait to hear back from the government and uh, see what the response is and, and help determine what, what best steps are forward. So when, when we hear the, the, the ball is in the, the government's court at this particular time, and when we hear back, then we'll know how to respond and what the next step should be as well. When asked if there is anything specific the wheat growers would like to see changed with the Grain Act, Quiz says they'd like to see the inspection of outbound grain, which is done by a third party and at ports, addressed. It's time now for the livestock market conditions. They're coming up next. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra. 
Just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Livestock market conditions. U.S. live cattle futures for April are trading at 187.15 this afternoon. That's up 180. June live cattle trading at 182.95, up 172. April feeder cattle trading at 257.37, up 365. May feeder cattle trading at 259.57, up 345. April lean hogs trading at 88.02, that's up 140. May lean hogs trading at 91.80, up 107. And that's the livestock market conditions. Researchers with the Vaccine and Infectious Disease Organization are exploring the potential of using modified brewer's yeast in place of antibiotics in the rations of young piglets, Dr. Heather Wilson, a research scientist with Vito and an adjunct professor in the Department of Veterinary Microbiology and the School of Public Health at the University of Saskatchewan, tells us what prompted this research. Well, it's uh, for quite a few years, uh, and you know, decades ago, uh, we were feeding our pigs uh, sub-therapeutic levels of antibiotics, and uh, at the time, it seemed like a really good idea because the pigs were healthier and they were gaining weight better. But as we, you know, learn more, you realize that that's contributing to um, antimicrobial resistance. So that practice has been banned for uh, quite a few years now. But we were always trying to find new ways to put to, you know, give our animals antimicrobials that are not going to lead to any sort of resistance. Uh, so there's lots of compounds out there that we're trying. Uh, there's lots of compounds that, you know, will have an effect um, on bacteria and viruses uh, just, you know, in, in, at a cell level. Uh, and we want to now test them in the animal. So, um, and but getting them, so that's kind of one thing is trying to deliver antimicrobials to help um, pigs grow well and keep them healthy. But then there's also how do you deliver them? So uh, what we're doing here is we're p- partnering with Renaissance Bioscience Corp from uh, British Columbia, a Canadian company, and what they're experts in is yeast bioengineering. So they simply take baker's yeast, um, brewer's yeast, the same thing that uh, that we, we use all the time, and they're putting in some small modifications so that the yeast can... Um, have a protein on the surface so it localizes to the small intestine of the pig. Uh, and so that kind of overcomes the di- huge dilution effect of the digestive tract. So you're kind of localizing that yeast to the small intestine and then it's going to be secreting uh, into the lumen or the, you know, the gut itself these antimicrobial peptides. And we're going to then test um, if it's, uh, promoting piglet health and protecting them against bacterial and viral uh, infections. So uh, we're very excited. 
this is something uh, I know some people might be hesitant about uh, gene editing, but we're using um, a, simply a baker's yeast that actually has already been approved for um, gene editing in uh, in, in, in livestock, and it's also part of what we're already consuming um, in our in our bread and our um, and our uh, beers as well. So uh, we under, undergo a very large, a very uh, stringent um, safety profiling. And uh, but right now we're just kind of testing on the pigs just to see how they do. And you know, and then there's years and years of um, vetting it to make sure that it's safe. Uh, but um, we're very excited, and it's it's something that's being kind of used every day in in livestock, and we're just trying it with a with a new purpose. She explains who is involved in this work. So Renaissance Biosciences is actually genetically engineering the yeast for us, uh, and then they can grow it and produce it um, at at uh, concentrations that are that are useful for us. But then what? my lab is doing is we're telling them which proteins we'd want to put in and which um, antimicrobial peptides uh, we want the yeast to secrete. And these peptides are naturally produced uh, and we're just simply getting them put kind of multiple repeats on a protein that'll get put into the gut. And then what's nice actually is that we the yeasts also uh, naturally can produce all the amino acids that they need for um, healthy development, but pigs can't, uh, which is normal for most mammals. They have to consume the essential amino acids, which means the amino acids that they can't make themselves. So we're using yeast to deliver the antimicrobial peptides, and we're using the yeast to deliver uh, essential amino acids, so it's, it's actually acting as a very nice feed supplement there as well. Dr. Wilson outlines how the yeast is used to deliver the compounds. So we just get uh, get the yeast uh, made and then purified to um, a high amount, uh, a high purity. Uh, yeast is actually already given as a feed supplement for um, many livestock. Uh, what we're just doing is adding in these um, this protein onto the surface of the yeast to localize it to the gut and uh, to then secrete the uh, antimicrobial peptides as well as the essential amino acids. So um, the yeast is going to be uh, produced and eventually it'll be I mean, degraded after you know a couple of hours. But the idea being that we're using the yeast as like a, a little factory to produce uh, these antimicrobial peptides and um, to act as a feed supplement. Uh, so it uh, should it's a feed supplements. Yeast is already used as a feed supplement, so uh, um, it'll be something that's not new to producers. What's new is uh, these specific components that we're adding to the yeast, which should help piglet health and growth kinetics. She tells us what components are of particular interest at this time. So yeast right now are already used as a feed supplement. Uh, so what we're just just simply doing is. Um, using the yeast as a feed supplement, but we're also putting in a protein on the surface of the yeast so that the yeast, uh, once it travels from the from the mouth to the to the stomach to the small intestine, it will get um, it'll attach itself to the wall of the small intestine and it'll just kind of stay there for a couple hours and um, it'll eventually be degraded. But in the meantime, 
Uh, it's localized to the small intestine, and then it will secrete these antimicrobial peptides, which we hope will improve the piglet health, keep them nice and healthy, especially during the stressful time when the piglets are, are going from um, having mother's milk to weaning. It tends to be a very stressful time <clears throat> for pigs. So if we can give them a little something extra to, uh, to help their intestines to remain healthy, um, it can increase their uh, growth, and um, which will eventually lead to their better well-being, and uh, hopefully they'll gain weight faster, and so it will be better for the producers as well. Dr. Wilson explains how the data is being compiled. Well, this is a new uh, grant opportunity, so uh, we're actually starting it in a, in a couple months here. Um, but what we're lining up is looking at uh, which proteins we want to use to localize the yeast to the, to the small intestinal wall. Uh, we already know which antimicrobial peptides we're going to um, um, put into the yeast so that they can be secreted. We already know which of the essential amino acids are going to be uh, secreted by the yeast as well. So um, we're kind of early early days, but it's very exciting research, and uh, we think that if we can show that adding simple um, modified baker's yeast to uh, piglet diets, then we can uh, help their growth and their health, and uh, it'll benefit um, the pigs and the producers. She outlines how the information gathered through this work will be applied. Uh, we've got lots of avenues to communicate our our results. It's uh, very important for us to uh, make sure that the producers and members of the, the the swine industry learn about our research so we can certainly get some feedback and we can generate some interest um, um, if if we find the results are very exciting and um, could be beneficial. So um, we do the normal things like you publish in scientific journals, but um, but to really reach the producers, we would then go to um, pork con conferences like Banff Pork, Saskatchewan uh, Pork Producers Congress, um, and there's lots of uh, different networking opportunities. So... There's lots of places where we could try to communicate our results. Um, we um, would communicate our results um, in newspapers, perhaps even, um, and on our website. Um, anywhere where we can try to generate some interest um, by the industry. So uh, getting feedback and getting, um, getting, the, getting the word out to producers if something very positive is coming along um, is very important to us. Dr. Wilson provides us with a timeline on the project. It's very early days right now. Um, it's a three-year grant, and we're just at the beginning of that cycle. So uh, we should learn uh, within within the year. The, the experiments will obviously be started. So it'll it'll take a couple years, um, and then after that, uh, if we get some very positive results, then there's you know the different regulatory agencies that are critical to uh, keep the food supply safe. Right? They have to go through all the different processes to make sure that everything that we're doing is is safe. So I mean that, and that all takes time, um, and this very important work is, uh, itself. So uh, it'll it'll take um, quite a few years, I think, maybe three to five years. Um, but uh, we see lots of really good um, opportunities here, especially yeast is is relatively cheap to um, for for producers to then you know purchase as an end product. So um, if we can show that these antimicrobial peptides 
and amino acids are um, very beneficial, then we can start to look at um, other other ways that we can use this yeast to deliver um, perhaps even vaccines or um, other biomolecules that can help promote uh, pig health. So it'll it'll take a few years, but we think uh, we'll learn a lot along the way, and and hopefully we can uh, start communicating those results to the producers. She tells us how anyone can get more information. People can reach me um, at um, my email address at heather.wilson at usask.ca. You can um, check it, check us out at the veto.org, um, the website here um, at the Vaccine and Infectious Disease Organization, um, or they can um, give me a call. So I'm very happy to, to chat about the research with anybody who's interested. And Dr. Wilson had these final comments. Just that it's, uh, we're excited to be working with the Canadian company, Renaissance Biosciences in, in BC. Uh, we're excited that the Saskatchewan Agriculture Development Fund has, uh, sees, um, value and promise in this, in this research. And we really do think it'll be, uh, lead to some terrific new, um, feed supplements for pig producers. So, um, we're excited to get started and, um, excited to start the experiments and start showing some positive results. Dr. Heather Wilson is a research scientist with VEDO and an adjunct professor in the Department of Veterinary Microbiology and the School of Public Health at the University of Saskatchewan. Please stay tuned. Your Commodities Update is coming up next. Commodities Update. Canola futures are trading down across the board this hour. May canola trading at 5.9130 down $2.40. July canola trading at 5.9870 down $2.20. May Minneapolis wheat trading at 6.44 and a quarter down 14 and 3 quarters of a cent. May Kansas City wheat trading at 5.63 and 3 quarters down 23 and a half cents. May Chicago wheat trading at 558 and a quarter down 18 cents. May corn trading at 424 per bushel down five and a half cents. May soybeans trading at 1149 and a half. That's up eight and three quarters of a cent. May oats trading at 369 and a quarter down one and three quarters of a cent. And that's the commodity update. Manitoba Transportation and Infrastructure's Hydrologic Forecast Center has released its February flood outlook report, which indicates a low to moderate risk of significant spring flooding across Manitoba basins. Normal to below normal soil moisture at freeze-up and normal to well below normal winter precipitation for most Manitoba basins have contributed to the low to moderate risk of spring flooding across the province. Water levels are expected to remain below dikes and community or individual flood protection levels. However, the risk of flooding may change depending on weather conditions, including amount of precipitation between now and the spring melt. The spring flooding risk is low to moderate for the Red River and tributaries including the Rosso River and the Pembina River. The spring flooding risk is low for the Assiniboine, Surus and Quipel Rivers and in northern Manitoba 
including the Saskatchewan and Carrot Rivers. The risk of spring flooding is generally low for the Whiteshell Lakes region, including the Winnipeg River system. The spring flood risk is moderate for the Interlake region. As in other years, there is a risk of ice jam-related flooding on the Fisher River and the Icelandic River. Most Manitoba lake levels are normal to below normal for this time of year and within their capacity ranges. The risk of lakes flooding is low for most Manitoba lakes. The Red River floodway is not expected to be operated under normal and favorable future weather scenarios. However, in the event of unfavorable weather conditions, the floodway could be operated to mitigate water levels in Winnipeg. Meantime, the Shellmouth Reservoir is being operated to reduce the risk of flooding downstream on the Assiniboine River while providing sufficient storage for water supply and recreation. This forecast could change depending on weather conditions, including amount of precipitation between now and the spring melt. The Hydrologic Forecast Centre is monitoring a potential precipitation system that could impact Manitoba basins in the first week of March. The next flood outlook will be released in late March and will have a better assessment of Manitoba's spring runoff conditions at that time. Please stay tuned. SaskAg Today will continue in one minute's time. Farm Bulletin Board. The government of Saskatchewan has proclaimed March as Agriculture Literacy Month in Saskatchewan. Agriculture Literacy Month activities invite farmers, ranchers, and industry experts into participating classrooms, offering students the chance to discover where their food comes from. Throughout the month of March, industry volunteers from all levels of food production will join classrooms to share presentations and personal experiences to help students learn more about agriculture. Agriculture in the classroom plays an important role in the agriculture industry by creating awareness and understanding and inspiring the next generation to care about the agriculture industry. This year, the Agriculture Literacy Month theme is Promoting Diversity in Agriculture and features a new storybook called All the Farmers You Will Know. Agriculture Literacy Month is a nationwide effort with provinces across Canada proclaiming the month. And a couple of events coming up next week. A Back to Business webinar, Session 3, Financial Literacy, will be held on March 5th from noon until 1.30. And the Session 4 producer panel will be held on March 7th from 12 to 1.30 as well. And that's all the time we have for today's Farm Bulletin Board. It's now coming up on 1 o'clock. Time to check the GX94 Precision Weather Forecast for the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. Partly sunny, winds west-northwest at 20 to 40, gusting higher at times, the temperature falling to minus 11. For tonight, partly cloudy, winds west at 10 to 20, a low of minus 20. For tomorrow, a mix of sun and cloud with a 60% chance of developing evening snow showers and flurries. Winds east-northeast increasing to 15 to 30, 
a high of minus 11, an overnight low of minus 11. For Sunday, a winter storm watch is in effect for south of Yorkton, a 90% chance of snow, 10 to 20 centimeters expected to fall during the day, winds east-northeast at 30 to 60, gusting higher at times, a high of minus 10 but falling. For Monday, an 80% chance of snow showers diminishing as the day goes on, a high of minus 16. And for Tuesday, partly sunny, a high of minus 15. In the Paw, it's minus 11 degrees, Swan River minus 7, Dauphin minus 3, Brandon minus 1, Show Lake Russell minus 4, Roblin, Regina and Broadview Mooseman minus 8. Saskatoon is at minus 11, Hudson Bay minus 10, Indian Head, Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington minus 9. The Yorkton-Melville region has a mainly cloudy sky, a west-northwest wind at 35 gusting to 46 kilometers an hour. 78% is the relative humidity. The temperature is minus 9 degrees. With the wind chill, it feels more like minus 19 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for SaskAg today for today. Be sure to tune in again on Monday at 12.15 for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines.